0: You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace.
1: Hi, this is Annie Grace and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast. And I'm here with Meredith. Welcome, Meredith. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Annie. Oh, it's so good to to have you. So why don't we go all the way back to the beginning um, with you? Where Where did your relationship with alcohol begin?
0: Yeah, so unlike most people that I know, I did not start drinking in high school like most uh, like most people I know, most people in my friend group. I was actually a holdout for so long. I didn't want to drink because I was a very competitive athlete. I went to boarding school for high school, so I lived away. And I wanted to play field hockey at a very high level in college. And I knew that if I got in trouble in high school, it wasn't just getting in trouble with my parents for doing something, you know, bad, maybe like sneaking a drink or, uh, you know, going to a party and staying out. But I actually had like repercussions with my school. So yeah. because of that, I was always just terrified of getting in trouble. So didn't ever go to any parties, never snuck, snuck to other dorms and participated in anything. I was like so straight edge and so focused on, getting the offer to play field hockey in college. And that ultimately worked out for me. So, uh, you know, around uh, my senior year, I guess like the summer before I was going to college, um, I think my parents were a little nervous for me, <laughs> just having not experienced any anything with alcohol up until that point. Um, a couple of times, I think they were like, do you wanna just try a beer? Like you should have some before you get to college. Um, But I was still like, just kind of not interested. Um, I did go to a graduation party. And when I did have my first beer, I will never forget, I called my mother. And like, who calls their mom the first time they go to a graduation party? But like, I had to report back to her that I'd like, tried a beer. So um, that was, you know, kind of like the first time I ever drank. And then I got to college. And that's where things just got really interesting. It was like all of the things I think I kept, like bottled up from high school and not doing anything bad. All of a sudden I got to college and it was like a free for all. And it wasn't just me, this was like everyone. And like, mind you, I was playing on a division one team and it was still a nonstop party all the time. We had what we called on our team a 48 hour rule, which meant we just couldn't drink 48 hours before a game. And I think like just, you know, looking back and like knowing what we know now about alcohol, like it really didn't matter that we weren't drinking those two days before if like the rest of the week we were just like, you know, drinking as much as we possibly could to make up for it. At this point, I had opened Pandora's box. Nothing was going back in that box. I was loving life. I loved um, everything about college. It was like, you know, one big party, everything you read about or like hear about and think about going to school. Like that's what it was for me. I was playing on this great team. Um, and I had an amazing social life. There wasn't anything I did at school other than my field hockey games that didn't involve alcohol though. Like everything did. So it just became something that we were, I was so accustomed to. And over those four years, like the partying part of college became actually what I liked more than playing this sport that I had worked my butt off my whole life to get there for. And I think back and there were times and, you know, I'll caveat this by saying that playing a sport at that level is like a full-time job. It becomes very different for you at that point in your life than probably much everything leading up to it. And there's so much pressure and you're busy all the time. However, it is also such a, an opportunity and such a special thing to be able to experience that. And looking back, I think the whole time I wished I was, there were times when I wish I was just like the normal kids who were in school to just go to class and then do what they want. And I like, to me, that felt like freedom. And so I started to get to this point where like, I was not liking something that had given me so much joy up till that point in my life, just because I wanted to go drink and party. And it's probably so many different reasons. And I have gone to therapy, you know, as an adult, to kind of unpack some of those things, but like drinking really did just become like this thing that we were all doing all the time and constantly thinking about the next party you know, the next event, whatever we're going to be doing. Oh, when's the game over? Can we make it in time to go to the football tailgate? Awesome. Like we were going to be sprinting over to go do that. So I had a great four years and I did play all four years in field hockey. It was, uh, you know, it definitely an amazing experience. And I graduated and that party just kept rolling right on and moved to New York city with a lot of my friends. And, uh, because I, not because I loved anything about New York City really, but because I wanted to be with my friends and I didn't really want college to end. That first summer that I was working in the city, I woke up one day in July, so I had just moved in and I had a lump on my neck. And within like half a week, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, and which is a type of blood cancer. So I started six months of chemotherapy and when, and now I am 17 years in remission, like it, you know, I, it I overcame that. Um, I was able to, to beat it. And when I got to the part in your book and I haven't even gotten to the part where I even find you yet, but when I got into the part about your book, where you talk about symptoms of what alcohol can do to your body, one line in particular just made me stop and think because I never... I never put my Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis in with like anything else that had happened to me in my life. Like just assumed it was something that had happened to me because I had a genetic predisposition to get like, there was nothing I did that caused me to get this cancer. Like I know that, but, um, the line that really just stood out for me in your book was that our immune system is our single most powerful weapon against disease. And we know this, but I read this and I was thinking, um, And one of the things that the doctors told me about this type of blood cancer that I had was that it didn't just show up overnight. It's actually a very slow growing type of cancer. And, you know, when I read that line, I was thinking about that whole time in college, I probably had this disease growing inside my body. And every night I was just absolutely slaughtering my immune system. And like, if, you know, no one told me, you know, no one was talking about it back then, about just the effects that alcohol can have, even if you're not an alcoholic, just thinking about the things that it's doing to shut down your body inside. I just think that's such an interesting thing for me to think about now, so far past having cancer. Like I wasn't doing anything to help myself at all. It certainly didn't cause it, but I wasn't helping myself. So here I was, this high performing division one athlete. I was, you know, putting this awful chemical into my body as much as I possibly could because I loved how it was making me feel. Um, And, you know, it was just, it was so normalized. And yet I was like just altering my body's chemical makeup um, in so many ways. So um, I beat cancer, but I was also still drinking while I was going through chemotherapy because I wanted to feel normal. Here I was like 22 years old, all of my friends, we just moved to the city. And for me, like going out and still going to bars and going to concerts, even though there were some days when I had to get my treatments, I wanted to feel normal. And I didn't want to feel like I was, you know, a cancer patient. Mm -hmm. And then once again, like, you know, maybe that wasn't the best idea, but it had just become this thing that I did to fit in with my friends. Um, and, it, and it was really what we did. So um, drinking has just become, had become at that point, just an everyday part of my life. And once I had beat cancer, I really got to start uh, kind of the next chapter of my life, which was my career. Um, and so much of your story really resonated with me. I started in ad tech sales. So I was in sales and, you know, if college was one big party, like the, the, you know, ad advertising sales world was, uh, you know, just one big extension of that. I can remember, um, at my first job, there was a company happy hour one day and it was like at four o'clock. So you got to go to the happy hour. And then I was still, you know, the bottom of the, the rung on the corporate ladder. So I still had a lot more work to do at 4 PM. And I brought a beer back to my desk. And I remember like texting my parents, my dad, worked for the U.S. Postal Service for years and drove trucks. My mom was a nurse. They could never drink on the job. That was not something that anyone would ever do. But here I am getting paid to like have this party. And I was like, wow, this is so cool to be part of a company that encourages this. Um, you know, And that was the culture of the company, work hard, play hard. So through my 20s, I uh, worked for various ad sales company, uh, ad tech companies in sales, and it was just more of the same, grabbing drinks after work, um, boozy lunches with clients. It was not abnormal to have a glass of wine on a you know Tuesday because you were going out with clients at lunch. It was just it was totally normal. And you know a lot of people this is totally normal for a lot of people. And then it was the company outings, which was like even more booze fueled. And it was just a bunch of 20 year olds who were excited and happy to be together. And I, I knew I wasn't feeling that great drinking, but I didn't have enough. There wasn't enough to make me stop. So I would be hungover, and I would have this feeling of, you know, Did I offend anyone last night? What did I say? Does anyone hate me? And like that would, you know, dissipate as the day went on. But when you spend all of your social life with your coworkers, there's just so much that commingles between the two. And I didn't like that feeling the next day of, of wondering like if I had, um, if I, if I just had said something wrong and it's a terrible feeling to have. And I knew when I wasn't drinking, people liked me. I didn't, I had no problem with that. I've always been a very confident person. It was all of a sudden, just once it got a little blurry, um, or at a little late with drinks, you're like, should I have said that to that person who is like a much higher level than me at this company? And maybe I'd want to work for one day. So I, I always had that feeling and I hated that I felt that way. And I didn't know how to change it. I was that person who said, okay, like after a big, like maybe it was a sales kickoff meeting and you had like the big parties of the year, like the next day I'd be the person who'd be like, all right, I'm never drinking again. And then like a couple of days later, once I kind of came back around to it, I'm like, oh no, we're definitely going to have drinks at the Christmas party or whatever it was. Um, so I never really thought I had a problem with drinking because I drank with everyone else. I was very open about it. We were all drinking together and I wasn't hiding anything. I thought to be an alcoholic meant you had to be hiding it in some way. And like, people didn't know I like, I was participating in this group project. So how was I feeling like so different than some of my other friends who I would look at and be like, they they weren't worrying the next morning what they said. Like, why was it just me? Like, why was it um, why was I having a different like reaction the next day than um some of my friends? So I really still didn't think it was like I knew drinking was causing it, but I'd still like not enough to get me to stop. Um, because I also I loved my career and I really liked being around my friends. And I wasn't sure if I could do that and also be the one who wasn't drinking. No one else was not drinking at this point. I think it is very different now, which makes me so excited. And I think a lot of this has to do with the work that you did and that you do. And so it gives me so much hope. Like people were not, it was, it was just not a thing really. (laughs) So went through my twenties, my thirties, I actually had my two daughters, um, when I was in my late twenties, I went through a divorce in my thirties and my kids were still pretty little. I was still drinking, but you know, and and then when you have kids, it's like a whole nother group of friends that just wants to drink all the time too. It was like bringing the bottles of water over for like, you know, mom time and wine time. And, and that, you know, I live in the suburbs and that was all totally normalized as well. And again, everyone else was doing it. I loved being with my friends and socializing and our kids were having play dates while we were, you know, also having like our adult time and I was building friendships and alcohol was, you know, nine times out of 10, a part of that. I can remember the first time I hosted some moms that I had ever met over at my house for like a play date at 10 a.m., And someone brought over as a hostess gift, a bottle of wine. And we didn't open it just then, but I just remember being like, oh, it's 10 a.m. Like, this is what we do in the suburbs, I guess, like with kids. About, let's say it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I started dating my now husband and the pandemic obviously changes uh, a lot of our daily schedule and not that I had much stopping me before, but all of a sudden, you know, the 4 p.m. let's make fresh squeezed margaritas became more of the norm than not. So that I think just between the two of us spending so much time together and actually seeing how much we were drinking, my husband decided to make a big change in his life. So he decided to do, uh, we weren't married at the time, but he decided to do the 75 day health challenge. And one of the pieces of that was to not drink. So he started doing that i think i actually found the challenge and said you might like this and he started doing it and i just kept drinking i kept going on with my life i was like i work out with him or you know often i've i'm a healthy person i don't think i need the 75 day health challenge but i will support you on your journey doing this so um he was doing this hard thing over there and i was still drinking And I just, his life totally started to change. So he lost a lot of weight, which was great. He felt very healthy. Um, And he just, he would just talk about how well he was sleeping, how clear his mind was, um, and just how happy he felt. I wasn't quite there yet. Even though like I loved this for him, I again, I was still getting those feelings of being like very sad and unhappy when I drank, but for some reason I still hadn't hit that point to push me to say, all right, like this is the time to stop drinking. And I had, I was in therapy. I'd seen a therapist for various things and I loved that practice, but alcohol really had never come up. Um, it wasn't something I was like volunteering to my therapist as something that was altering my life in any way. So without that, We had plenty to talk about anyway, (laughs) so it hadn't come up, but everything really changed for me in March of 2022. So it's like a little over a year ago now. So my husband, my now husband and I got married and we eloped and we went to a beach in Florida and it was beautiful and perfect. Like exactly what I envisioned in my wedding. I am still drinking. He is not. He had been alcohol free for about a year at this point. Um, And it it was just, it was amazing. I was so happy. Then we get back to New York and we had a family party. It was going to be my kids, his kids, um, a lot of people in his family. And it was at a country club and the wine was flowing this was what we did <laughs> you know it, there was a dinner party it was going to involve a lot of drinks and that night i was drinking wine and at the end of the night i i honestly can't even remember what the fight was about but it was something so dumb i miscommunicated i misheard something i was being Like, I can't remember what it was. All I remember is that I picked this fight with, with my husband and was kind of going back and forth him about something. And the, in the car on the way home, uh, my daughter said to me, you know, you should really just be nice to, to Kevin. And I said, yeah, you're right. Like, I should just be nice to him. Of course we should be nice to everyone. And the next morning I woke up and I had never journaled in my life it's not really something i have done but i opened an app on my phone and for the first time i had to write down what i felt and it was rock bottom i never want to feel like this again why am i so sad and i woke up and i could remember my daughter saying to me you should just be nice and i could remember picking the fight i couldn't even it was so insignificant it was it wasn't even like worth remembering though. I'm sure the wine contributed to that. And it was the moment when I said like, that's it. Like, I do not need this. Any, like something needs to change because I just got married. I have two healthy, beautiful children. I have a job that I love. Why do I feel so sad right now? There is no reason to feel so sad right now. And I asked my husband, I go, are we okay? I'm sorry. I don't even know what that was last night. And he said, you know, I could tell he was hurt, but he never judged me, never made me feel bad about it. I said, I don't want to drink anymore. And he said, if you really don't want to drink anymore, you have to read this book. And he handed me your book and he said, it's not your fault. Hmm. And I am, have been thankful. I was always thankful for meeting my husband. But when I think about that moment and how I felt the lowest I've ever felt in my life, like I typed in that note, rock bottom, I want to remind myself that that was not a great feeling. Um, And he didn't, he wasn't even mad at me. He gave me a book and he said, you can like, it's all in your control. You can change this. And I was still in bed. And I think I got through like 200 pages of the book before I got out of bed. (laughs) And like one thing after another in your book, just, you know, really made me realize it wasn't my fault. I was no longer in control of my, you know, what was happening to me because of alcohol because of what it was doing to my body. And then I got really angry. And sometimes it still makes me angry. And I'm angry for allowing myself to be controlled for so long. Because if you know me, I know we've only known each other for a little bit on this podcast, but I, am, I don't do things just because everyone else is doing them. Like if the whole crowd is going left, I am like standing firm and asking a lot of questions before I go anywhere. Like I have high standards. I I go against the grain. It's like truly part of who I am. So to think that all of this time I was just doing this thing almost mindlessly because everyone else was, I'm like, why was I so easily manipulated? Like, how did I let this happen to me? That is what I was feeling when as I was going through your book because every single chapter that I got to, I was like, yes, yes. That happened to me. Like, how did I let it get to this point now that I have given it up and I can talk a little bit too about like what that first experience was like, but, um, getting to that point where I knew it was in, you know, it wasn't in my control, what was going on. It wasn't my fault, but everything was entirely in my control moving forward. I was never Um, I I think I've, I've heard, you know, other, um, guests that you've had in your podcast bar talk about like this art, like missing it or like mourning or like grieving the loss in some way. Like I never had that when I stopped and I decided that I didn't want to be the person that I was before. It was like every single day that went by and every single thing I did that I would normally would have done with alcohol. And I was doing it without, it was like, I, I was gaining power. like every single day I just felt like i was this like unstoppable person that all of a sudden was getting like all these level ups in life that i had never had before we went we took our first vacation you know didn't drink went to uh, a country concert never in my life would have imagined going to a concert where you you know weren't spending half the the time waiting in line for a beer went to a wedding just started to do all of these things, and I know you mentioned it in your in your book, but like alcohol really started to become so in, insignificant for me. And I also I was very lucky in the fact that my husband got there before I did, so I wasn't I wasn't doing this alone. Um, I say to him, like, you are so badass. You did this, and I was still drinking wine in your face every day. Like, I can't believe it. It must have been so hard you know, and he says like, you just, it was harder for me. He thought about a lot more. I was able to just cut it out because I felt so empowered by, you know, the words in your book and also my, how I felt. And I, you know, it has now been a year and I know you wrote this in your book. It's, you know, people, you think about alcohol as this thing you're losing if you give it up, but it's really everything that you gain Um, From giving it up. And that to me has been my biggest takeaway from this past year. I call it the year I stopped hating myself because like I have not been sad or unhappy or had any of those anxious feelings or wondered what people think of me or frankly cared what anyone (laughs) thinks of me since March 27th of last year. And that was the day that I picked up the book and decided that you know it was in fully in my control how I was going to continue to live. And I will say for anyone listening who thinks they're nervous about what people are going to say when you say, oh, I'm not drinking tonight or I don't drink, in my experience from the past year, there has been not one single person that hasn't said in response to that oh my God, I wish I could do that too. They Everyone like, or you get someone who says, oh, I don't drink either. And then I, you know, then I'm like, oh no, I, I knew I liked you. Like I knew we had this connection. It's, it, you know, it might not be everyone's truth, but it is my, like my experience over the past year is that there are so many people out there who wish they had the tools to stop and When I show up as an example of, you know, someone who really did it and made the change, I can tell that I am helping people. And that's why, you know, I was so excited to get the opportunity to come on your podcast. It's why I am proud to share my story, even though it's, you know, it can be scary to share that you were just like so sad from drinking for so long. But if like there are so many people, it, literally, almost everyone I say, like I don't drink or I'm not drinking and their response is, I really wish I could do that too.
1: Oh, that's so powerful. What what an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing. So um, how, you know, do you have like former drinking friends and, and moms and that you're still hanging out with that that's similar for them too? They just, they're really accepting and
0: yeah. So there have been, I would say there's a couple groups, groups of friends. I also your my life has really changed a lot from when my kids were really little and I was looking for reasons to go and socialize with other moms. You know, Mm -hmm. when they're really little, they're not doing a lot. My kids are 12 and 10. Now we're busy all the time. Like if I have any free time, the last thing I want to do sometimes is go sit somewhere and just have it. Like, I, I see my friends all the time because we're on a soccer field together and a cross field together. Like life has just moved in such a way that I don't think I'm missing out or I have friends who have stopped including me because I'm drinking. I think what really changed the most in terms of like social life has been with work, you know, you, I think someone else had mentioned this on your podcast too. And I related so much. It was like, once you start doing some of those work events and you're not drinking and you see other people drinking around you, you're like, Oh, I never really liked this to begin with. Like, I don't think I want to be out with clients that like, maybe I don't even really, um, you know, relate with or click with to begin. Like we were only drinking so that we could all get along without that. I don't know if I love that so much. So one of the things I also wanted to make sure I told you is that in this past year, because I stopped drinking and because of your book, I also had a complete career change and like life change for me. I started my own company a month ago. Wow. I like broke free of the corporate chains and I am now um, co- doing career coaching and running a consultancy all on my own. and, there is not a day that goes by that I think I could be doing this if I was still drinking and if I was who I was a year ago. It's always been a dream of mine, like being an entrepreneur. And that word seems so scary. And I was like, "Ugh!" like, that's amazing to work for yourself. I would see other people doing that and be like, how, like building a life like that. Like, that's amazing. Um, and, you know, I think having this year of being, so happy, feeling so powerful, and also just having the clarity to focus on it. I made it happen. And there is not like it, it wouldn't have happened if, um, if I was still drinking. And now I really don't have to do all of those things that I didn't really like doing to be, you know, that I was alcohol was kind of fueling all of that fun. Now I can kind of be a little bit more selective about that type of socializing.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Oh, that's great. Um, Um, yeah, you you were going to talk about just the early days, I think.
0: Oh yeah. So when I first stopped, so that first week, I think I was just still in like, um, not like panic mode, but like damage control mode. I was like, okay, like that happened. I need to make sure everyone in my family feels good. And not that this was some momentous occasion at all. Like I obviously in my mind made it into something much larger than it needed to be, but I was like, let's just take control of this week. I don't need to drink this week. You know, I'd started reading your book. I actually also bought the corresponding journal that goes over every day you could write in your feelings. I only made it through honestly about like 10 days of that. Cause I just started to not even need it. Like I got in such a groove and every single day I was feeling better and better that I, you know, I felt like I had the support I needed. There were definitely times in the first couple months where I would have some anxiety about something that was coming up. Well, we're going to that concert. What if I want to drink there? Or, or we're going out to a nice steakhouse. I would always have a glass of wine at a nice steakhouse. What if I want one there? And the mantra that I told, that I tell myself, and I don't really tell myself this anymore because I don't really need to. But at the beginning, I really did was it'll be there tomorrow. Mm. So if you want one tomorrow, have it tomorrow today, just say no today. But if you, if you really want that wine tomorrow, you can have it. And so what that did was just at least get me to the next day. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, you know, tomorrow just kind of kept getting pushed out and out and out. And I, you know, was living with someone who also wasn't drinking. So I didn't have the temptations there. And it was still in that first month, I think still just so raw that, you know, I had hit that point where I knew I really wanted to make a change. And I was so unhappy that I could still almost trigger that feeling in my mind. And like alcohol to me, I just had this like repulsed feeling about it because I just, I, I didn't want to go back to that. I knew what that felt like, and it was still so fresh. And eventually that dissipates. And the further and further I got out from it, I was building a, you know, every day I was building confidence that this was something I can do. And, you know, I found other people online and, you know, Instagram accounts, you you just, you pull different quotes from different people. You just see how many people out there also going through the same thing, also want to change their lives, also want to help other people. And so I never... I never wanted, I never wanted it back in my life. And it's gotten to the point now where it's something I barely think about. And I only think about it to think about how happy I am that I don't have it in my life anymore. It has no control over me whatsoever. Someone could line up, you know, 10 glasses of beautiful red wine that I used to love and I will leave it. I don't need it. And I think a lot about and I, I haven't touched on this yet, but actually like one of the, the toughest pieces for me of that night when I picked that fight with my husband was that it was right in front of my kids. Mm-hmm. And I think part of my pain the next day, or I don't think, I know part of my pain the next day is, is this really what, how I want them to see me? And you said it, you, there's a piece in your book about how in schools we do such a good job teaching kids about the dangers of drugs and alcohol. And then you come home and there's a bottle of wine on the table and like how messed up that must be for so many kids to get those mixed messages. And you know my kids were certainly around alcohol a lot. It was very normal in our house. And I don't want that to be the case. I don't want that to be the, I don't want it to be as natural for my kids when they get older, as it was for me, I want them to make their own choices. And I hope we're educating them in the right way to make those choices. And certainly never force it on like not drinking on them, but I want them to see the best version of me and what they saw that night was horrible. <laughs> I never want to go back to that again. Um, so that has been such a driving force for me is this idea of how how am I showing up for my children? What type of role model am I? I know I was always an amazing badass mom. I know I was, but I had that other piece too. And how much was alcohol holding me back from being an entrepreneur too, showing them what that life could be like. We, one of the things that was kind of this um, like impending vacation that we had planned um i stopped drinking in march and we had a family vacation in december and we were going to live on a boat for a week in the bvis and it is my happy place um st john in those islands i have never gone and not drank there it you know it is where you go and the island drinks start flowing so we have this whole trip planned and i'm like oh we're going to live on a boat for a week when we booked this i definitely did not plan to not drink the whole time how is this going to be and It was, you know, it's only a few months ago now, so it was so far into my alcohol-free journey that it honestly was, like, again, so insignificant, but, you know, I kept thinking to myself, if I was worried that I wouldn't be able to enjoy this trip without alcohol, then there's a bigger problem here because look out at what you're seeing right now like my two kids on the back of a boat with a beautiful sunset and the most beautiful blue water like what could possibly not make this amazing so another thing that happened on that trip and i had been down to these islands many times and always drank of course and never experienced any of the the hikes and some of the just really actually like being on the island and experiencing the island away from the beaches. And on New Year's morning, um, my husband and my oldest daughter woke up right as the sun. So it was still dark out. The sun hadn't come up yet. And we took a hike to the top of a uh, mountain. And we watched the sun come up on the first day of 2023. And I get a little emotional talking about it. But it was, I had never experienced that. And I had been down there for so many years. And I had always been hungover on like the first day of the year, like I would have been out, you know, we would have stayed up to midnight drinking wine. So just to wake up and have that moment and share it with my daughter and like start the year off on such a positive note, like I never knew what I was missing. Um, And alcohol would have absolutely robbed that moment for me if I were still drinking because we wouldn't have done that. So I have a picture of us on the top framed and I love looking at that picture. And yeah, so I I have actually spoken to a few people who are on their alcohol-free journey and are nervous about a vacation. I think that's very normal to think, how can I go away and not drink? And I share that story with them and just say, you know, if you, you know, you're going away for so many other reasons and to experience so many other things. So, you know, if you can't you know, enjoy St. Trope, St. Trope, wherever you go for what it is without the alcohol. Like that's the most important thing. Wow.
1: That's so powerful. I love that so much, Meredith. It's just amazing. Wow. Oh, this is great. What a powerful story. So let me ask you the question, um, that I sort of ask at the end of these things, which is if you were going to go back in time to, you know, the Meredith who, um, was so sad and kind of had this cumulative sadness and, uh, was picking the fight and you were going to tell her about what life is like now. What would you tell her?
0: Yeah. I thought about this question so much, but, and I think it's, I don't have any regrets because all of the things that happened to me in my life have led me to where I am now, which is exactly where I'm supposed to be. But if I had to tell myself something I think I would say it's not about you. And I think that means like two different things. Like first it's exactly what, you know, my husband told me when he tossed me the book, <laughs> he said, it's not your fault. Like you got to read Andy's book. It's not my fault. It was not about me. And also I'm doing this because it's not about me. It's about my kids and the future that I want them to have. It's about my friends and family or even anyone I don't even know who's hearing this. If someone just relates and they are going to go pick up the book or just decide to stop drinking and start that for themselves, like that's what this is about. It's it, like life is for me so full and so bright right now. I, I almost, someone else said this on your podcast too, <laughs> like is someone spiking my drink because I feel like I'm drunk, but I'm not. I have that feeling. All the time, and it is truly—it's something I hope everyone can experience and can feel. If alcohol has been taking that away from them, um, and it was for me for for so long, I was sad and I didn't like who I was. And now I love who I am. I love my life, and I just want to share my story as much as I can in um, in a way that I hope people feel is you know accessible and not. And that's what I loved about your book too. It never felt like I was being lectured. Like you need to stop drinking. This is horrible. Can't you see you're ruining everything? Like it was so practical and every page I turned was just like nodding my head, nodding my head. Like, no, this is what I want. Like, I don't want any of that old life anymore. So um, that's what I'd go back and tell myself. There is a greater purpose out there. It's not about you and you'll get there.
1: Mm, I love that, yeah, it's it's not about you. And that idea of every day almost feeling like, you know, somebody's spiking your drink because life feels so good without alcohol. it's it's fascinating. And in the brain, you know, alcohol over time and not even very much time over a very short amount of time, actually numbs your brain's ability to feel pleasure by basically, it overspikes your pleasure center for about 20 minutes. And then your brain counteracts it to maintain homeostasis. And when it counteracts it, that counteraction lasts for two to three hours per drink. And so it can last well into the next day. And you can almost have this ever-present kind of dampening chemical in your brain that this allows you to feel pleasure. And so I had the same experience when I stopped drinking. I was like, like I ended up getting off all like four different medications, antidepressants and different medications I was on and just looking around and being like, how is this my life? How can it feel so good? And what you were saying yeah. earlier, feeling angry, like, how did I not do this before? Like, how did I, how was I duped for so long? But um, right. I think anger can be almost such a productive emotion in in that sense.
0: Absolutely. It's, it, it's what fueled me then I don't feel as angry now because I it's just been so long and I feel so in control of my body and the choices that I'm making and the example that I'm leaving but it yeah it was I think that that first couple months that anger just being there and the more that I also you know I read your book but also just consuming more content um listening to your podcast you know the, the further I went down the rabbit hole too and it was like other people piling on that it happened to them. It happened to them. It's like, we should all just be so angry that we were duped for so long. Um, but we, but I am duped no longer and just very happy and so thankful for you and the work that you do. And um, very thankful for my husband for finding you first and for saving your book. And our, our copy of the book has a lot of, you know, notes sticking out of it and has all of our favorite parts um, kind of in there. But Um, it's never something I give to someone without knowing um, what type of journey they're on. But if someone says to me, they're thinking about it and maybe they would also stop. I do make the suggestion because I I don't think it's something you can absolutely ever force on anyone, of course, but it's always just, I think the number one resource when, you know, if you want to make this change in your life and it's certainly changed mine.
1: Oh, I love that. And I love the idea that it's, you know, it's not about missing out or being sad. It's about waking up to the fact that we have been duped for so long. You know, we've been yeah. unknowingly, I had a friend who basically read my book and she's like, I didn't realize that I was an accidental drinker, that so much of it happened to me without my conscious knowing. And when you said earlier that you just, you don't normally do things without a reason, without a why. And I was the same way. I I was very independent thinker and realizing that I had done so much of my drinking with without conscious thought, just sort of being swept up in something I didn't really understand. Yeah, it was really eye-opening.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Well, this has been great, Meredith. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it, and I just loved hearing your story.
0: Thank you so much, Annie. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how This Naked Mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious.